Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Ears International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. Okay, thank you, Missy and Tyler, for opening us up tonight. There's a lot of hope in tonight. And uh, my uh, heart's cry before coming into this evening and really into this next month has been that, that I would be able to convey, that I would be able to put words and convey um, what it is that, that I feel. I don't know if that's something that you guys experience um, in your relationship with him when they're, they're a knowing, there's a, there's a knowing that comes in your spirit and sometimes it's hard to translate it. Sometimes it's hard to take something that, that you experience of him and be able to put it to words and present it in a way that's understandable and that's translatable and that's that someone else is able to grab a hold of and say I want to experience that for myself. So that's been the that's been the prayer the cry of my heart is that I would be able to put put all of that together in a way that's translatable not just for an understanding but for you to be able to enter into your own experience of him. Because ultimately that's what we're gonna be talking about the rest of this month, is the difference between knowing about him and knowing him. There was a foundation that was laid last month and it was a teaching that Apostle Tanya did specifically about what it means to know. And that there is a context that we miss when we don't fully understand what knowing or what to know means that we're missing something because it is all over scripture to know him know that i am god know me it is it is in the old testament it is in the new testament it's from genesis all the way to revelation and uh and there is something that we can miss if we don't grab a hold of what it means to know him Tonight is, today is Good Friday. And that hope that we talked about that comes with that Tyler was sharing about, um, you know, when we just think on the way that Jesus was sent and lived and died and rose for our salvation, for freedom from our sins. It's... It's, it's, it's overwhelming. It's an over, overwhelming act when you fully understand what he did. But the message tonight is what's in addition to that. There's hope. There's an increase. I, there, I know that there's an increase in hope tonight because he's going to expose or reveal the and. That he died for our salvation, and there's more. So when I say tonight, I want this to be taken in context carefully, that when I say he did not just die for our salvation, that we're able to catch that by the Spirit and understand what that means. Okay? Because I know that's, that can sound a little bit... Um, 
maybe even blasphemous um, to say that he did not die for our salvation. And I'm not saying that. He did. And, and, right? Um, so we are going to dissect that. And I'm going to kind of give you some scriptures. I tried to narrow them down and it didn't really work. So what I would like to do is to kind of just put a blanket scriptural statement out there, some scriptures that I would like and some books in the Old Testament and um, for, for you to be studying uh, because this isn't, this isn't a one-night teaching. We're going to hear the word. I prepared something that's fun and sounds good and new and different, um, and we're going to forget about it. This is something that's going to launch us into the rest of our lives. It's going to set a foundation of understanding of what it means to seek him from now until I die. That's the intention. So we don't have to tackle everything tonight. We don't have to uh, go through all of the scriptures tonight. I would like for everyone uh, to be spending their time especially this month, so that we can be on the same page and we can be, um, be catching this together, uh, to be studying throughout the word where he talks about knowing, where the Spirit of the Lord even uses the word know. Throughout the Old Testament, on into the new, you can see it with the apostles. You can see it in the disciples. They talk about this hunger to know him. Um, and in the Old Testament, uh, the Lord will, um, will, will perform a miracle or there will be something that he does to expose or reveal himself. And when he reveals himself, he will say, so that you know, I am the Lord. So that you know, etc. So be studying that in the word diligently and asking the spirit to help you catch what it is that he's trying to send us into. Okay. So I know that's kind of a blanket statement in terms, study the word, (laughs) be be in the word. (laughs) Um, But there's also some specific scriptures that I would like you to study as well. Are you ready to write these down? And and write them on the board. Yeah, that would be great. I just don't, um, oh, they're back here. I was looking for markers. Thank you, mom. Yeah, that would be great. Okay. So like I said, study the Old Testament. I want you to study the book. Huh? Right, Old Testament. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> the Bible. Um, John 17. Actually, read John 16 and 17. Read them both. Two whole chapters. You could maybe even do it in a day. (laughs) Matthew 7. Okay, you guys are being invited into my personal notes. I did not type them. I just brought my journal as a symbol of inviting you into my intimacy. (laughs) Uh, Matthew 6 and Matthew 7. Jeremiah 29. 
let's see. Let's see if I got them on. I said John 17, right? Uh, specifically, can you also add John 17, 3? Philippians 3, 10. Jeremiah 9. Thank you. 23 through 24. Psalm 19. Okay. That should hold us over until next time. Thank you. <laughs> okay. This and the Old Testament. Okay. I mean, I know the Old Testament's in there too, but. Uh, oh, and Exodus. Can you guys read all of Exodus? <laughs> Please, all of it. Okay. We can write that later. <laughs> all right. You got a picture? We're going to take our time tonight. Okay, we're not in a rush. This is important. Okay, so while Apostle Tanya finishes, thank you. We're going to get ready to start. So the foundation that was laid was understanding what it means, what knowing means. And that there is a difference between knowing about him and knowing him intimately, right? We can use an example of any relationship that we might have, anyone who's married, any friendship. Um, I knew about my husband. I saw him. I knew he was real. I knew he existed. He was handsome and amazing. I, like, I, I, I knew, I knew about him. But it wasn't until we spent time together. It wasn't until I asked questions. It wasn't until I engaged in conversation with him. It wasn't until our, I was physically present with him that I began to really know him and know him in a way where, I mean, we've been married for 14 years, so it's not, we're still, we're still moving along the timeline. I don't know everything. I don't... I don't, there's more that I want to know. There's more. I want to know, I want to be able to finish his sentences. I want to um, know what he's thinking by a look on his face. Um, <laughs> some of us are there. I am not. Um, <laughs> um, and, um, and that has taken time. And there's more. There's still more. So just like in any of our relationships, right, there is a difference. We can, we can testify to the truth that there is a difference between knowing about someone and truly knowing who they are, right? Okay. So we're going to start from the beginning. And when I say the beginning, I mean literally why we were created in Genesis, okay? So, salvation, Jesus came and died, and we received the gift of salvation 
because there was a separation, right? Can we all agree to that? That sin causes separation and hiding. From the beginning, sin causes separation and hiding from him. So what was his original intent? If we're gonna move into an understanding of the necessity of knowing him, we have to know his original intent. And there might even be some believers that still are confused about the reason we were created. Even that, it can, it can, it can get, it can get um, jumbled in theology and in theories and in opinions, but, but if we go to the foundation of scripture, what was it that he created us for? And what I have found is that it was for relationship and connection with him, to walk alongside him. So the need for a savior came because there was a separation between his children and between him. A separation that prevented his original intent, the desire of his heart to be met, which was to walk with his children, to be known by them, to be in relationship, to have an intimate relationship face to face, friend to friend. That's what the scripture says about like his relationship with Moses right? That he talked to him as a friend. So salvation, we needed a savior because there was a separation and we were deterred from his original intent in creating us. Now, the gift of salvation comes with I mean, I remember, I remember vividly the moment, the moment that I met him. I will never, ever forget the moment that I met him. I did not grow up knowing him. I knew about him. I did know about him. And I never necessarily wrestled with the notion or the idea of if, if God was real. It was something that I kind of just inherently felt in, in my spirit, um, but I did not know him. And I'll remember forever the moment when he extended an invitation to me to pursue him. I'll remember that forever. And he picked me up out of literal brokenness and said, come follow me, come follow me. And it, it sent me into a journey the rest of my life. That was when I was 18. I'm, I think I'm 34. I for, I've forgotten after 32, but I think I'm 34. And since, since I was 18, it has been this journey to literally discover more about who he is. Who, who, what? I know you're real. You've just revealed yourself to me. Can I know more? Can I, can I know more? Because what I discovered and what we all discover, right, when he extends that invitation to us is that there is something outside of ourselves that we were created to be a part of. You can feel that instantly when you're saved, right? It's like something in your spirit 
finally connects with what you've always needed, but, but sometimes haven't even known that you need it, right? Until, until you do, like until there is a, a critical need. And that might not be everyone's story, that, that might not be. You might have been raised up just having a confidence in him. But, but for me, it was like all of a sudden, because I was in intense need, where I was literally at the end of myself and, and there, was n- there, was, there was no one, I was alone, there was no one that I felt like um, I could tell and he met me. He met me and immediately everything that I had ever wondered or it's like it all just connected. Oh, that's why I felt this. Oh, that's why, you know, this happened. Oh, okay, that makes sense. But that was the invitation. And so in seasons of our lives, why this is a word for now, which is the spirit of the Lord, because I did not know that the coronavirus was coming. I did. I didn't. I I wish that I had because I would have been on it. <laughs> I can be on it now. I uh, but but my point is is that uh, the spirit of the Lord saved this word for now. This isn't a reaction. Okay. I want to make sure that we that. I want to make sure that that's clear and that's clear to everyone who's watching that the word that's going to be released this month is not a reaction. This has been this has been set in motion and in place since last since last October. Okay? This word. I didn't even realize it was going to be on Good Friday. <laughs> to be honest, until it got closer and I was like, oh, that makes sense. Okay. You, I mean, you're going to have to help me make that make sense of that, but that makes sense. <laughs> um, because, because we are going to be going into the, the and and how what happened, what we honor today, Good Friday, that there is more, that there is more to this day. There is more to salvation. There is more to the invitation. And when I was, um, you know, just talking or just thinking about the the coronavirus and um, the condition of of our world right now, you'll see this in, um, as believers, we'll, we'll, we'll start to see the patterns or the cycles of um, people who maybe would never consider a conversation about Jesus Christ, who would never consider um, entertaining the idea that, that God is who he says he is, right? Until there's a crisis, until there's extreme need, until you are like I was, broken at the end of myself alone am I gonna let I I don't know I don't know and then he came right and so the crisis the crisis affords him an opportunity to reintroduce himself 
to reintroduce himself, right? What, what we're going to get at, though, is how we get stuck in cycles that keep us in the introduction phase, right? Within the, I'm talking about within the body of Christ, I'm not talking about an unbeliever. I'm not talking about even um, necessarily a, a new believer. I'm talking more specifically to someone who would consider themselves a mature believer because it is a mature believer's responsibility to disciple, right? To disciple and help new believers grow and mature in the faith. That's a, that's a biblical, I'm like, that's a bit, this isn't the Bible. <laughs> um, I just have this so I can refer to my notes. Um, but but yeah, this is not the word. Um, that is a biblical principle. This is a side note, but just to give some credibility to where I'm going, this is a side note. But in the word, the, the Lord talks about from a son to a father. To, right? I mean, there's, you see the, mat the maturing process is supposed to happen. There is meant to be a maturing as a believer. But there, there is a cycle that the body of Christ will get in, that believers will get in, where they need to be continually saved over and over and over again. How does that happen? Well, it happens because when he invites us in, we respond to that invitation. We, we receive that invitation, right? And he walks us through whatever circumstance it is that afforded him the opportunity to extend the invitation. And then when things settle, we just sit. I don't know how else I don't know how else to word that, but we we just kind of stay there, right? And so then this cycle perpetuates not just with believers, but then with new believers, and then you'll see it in leadership. You'll see it all over where the cycle will then then it will become a leader's responsibility to start saving you over and over and over and over again. And there's no, there's no maturing that happens. There's no growth. There's supposed to be, multiplication is supposed to be faster than this. It's supposed to be faster than this. I can tell you that the, the, the intention of the Lord is for faith and for your heart's turn to spread like wildfire. It is meant to be rapidly contagious, rapidly contagious, and it's not. And it's not because we still need to be saved. Does that, is that, res are we, okay. So, so we stay in this cycle and we're not maturing and we're not multiplying 
because we don't understand that there is a process that gets walked out for the rest of our lives after we receive the invitation. And what that is, is it is to respond with pursuing him. He says, seek me. He says, find me. He says, knock. He literally in his word says that there is nothing that I will withhold from you. But we don't ask. We don't ask, and this is a blanket general statement. It is not personal, unless it is. Um, unless it is, because the, the, the word, the word of the Lord is meant to convict you and snap you into place so that you can mature and multiply. So if it's personal, that's good. I just mean, you know, if you're if you're still working through maybe offense in your spirit, you might not be able to receive it and, and grow. Um, okay. I lost my train of thought <laughs> when I was covering that. Huh? Oh, thank you. Okay. So, um, so the cycle, we talked about the cycle <laughs> and, um, and what will happen with the lack of multiplication and where we stop, right? So the things that we're going to dive into over the next month, like I said, we're going to take our time. And even if, if it takes longer than that, it takes longer. Because I absolutely believe that multiplication and the transformation of not just Flagstaff, my eyes are on Flagstaff because he put me here. Okay, this is what this is what I'm afforded right now. But my heart, our hearts are broken for the nations. Our our hearts, if you if you know him and you allow him to begin to transform your heart, not just save you. Not just save you, but when you allow that transformation to happen that comes with pursuing him and we'll get into how that works. We'll get into that. I'm trying not to go be all over the place. But, but when that happens, um, that's when transformation can be possible. So I believe, it's my belief that we have to take our time on this because this isn't, this isn't a kingdom heirs issue. The, the cycle, the cycle that the spirit of the Lord is speaking to is within the body of Christ as a whole. And it's why we don't see Flagstaff transformed like this when there's a crisis like the coronavirus. And I believe that this word is for now because he is sending out invitations all over the world, all over the world. There, there are doctors, there are nurses, there are, I, I mean, there are patients, there are those who have lost someone who are crying out in desperation, out of need, a need that maybe is greater than they've had before in their lives, out of fear, a fear that's maybe greater than anything they've known in their lives. And all of a sudden, we have a world who is awakened to the possibility that they might need something or someone that's outside of themselves. And this is where he says, it's me. It's me, it's me. <laughs> I'm the answer to your fear. I'm the answer to your sickness. I'm the answer to your loneliness. I'm the answer to your heartache when you lost. 
He's, he's, he is extending those invitations, but my concern, my concern is how are we gonna walk out the response to the invitation? Because that is not only what will sustain a child's heart in regards to its father, but what will also lead to multiplication. Because I can tell you too that there's so, there's so many levels to this. It's not just, yes, yes, it's about, I'm, I'm an evangelist, so my heart will always be to talk more about the, the community and dismiss kind of the personal, I, I feel like I, the Lord's had to walk me through that. And so I want to make sure too that, that his heart's cry is for you. It's not, it's multiplication, yes, because his heart is for all of the nations to, to bow down and kneel and declare that he is Lord, right? But, but it's also that his children would realize that they have full access to him all the time, not just when they're in need, not just when there's a crisis, not just when they feel like they need saving again. There's nothing wrong. I, again, there is nothing wrong with being saved. There's nothing wrong with having a need because it is literally what presents that opportunity for him to come in and reintroduce himself. And I'll tell you that he will do it over and over again because he's a dad who's desperate to enter relationship with you. But again, that invitation is just the beginning. It's just the beginning. Salvation is just the beginning. It's to eradicate that separation because his desire from the beginning when he created you was to be in relationship with you, was to be known by you and to know you from the beginning. And those are some of the things that we're gonna be studying in the word. Those intentions of his heart and what it was in the Old Testament even when, when that separation became real from the garden moving on before Jesus that everything that he did, every miracle, every act was meant to remind you of who he was, to send you an invitation to follow and to seek and to know. Not even necessarily for the sake of the miracle. I mean, yes, because his desire is for wholeness. Um, I've had a personal, I have a personal testimony of healing from a disease in my body. But, but that was, it was, it's an incredible gift that's meant to be walked out. Right? Like it was this invitation. No, no, no. I don't want you sick. I don't want you sick. Come on. Come on. I'm going to walk off the camera. <laughs> So again, when we're saved or introduced to him or reintroduced to him, we're acknowledging that we know about him, right? We're acknowledging that he's real. 
and then there's more. I'm not sure how long this will take or if it'll be quick for tonight and then we'll keep going. But um, but there's a couple things that I want to go through uh, tonight specifically. And one of those is the um, how do we know, how do we know him and why is it necessary? Okay, so we can agree moving forward or not be posting about that. We can agree moving forward, right, that salvation is a reintroduction to him. And it's an invitation to respond, to seek him, and to know him. And if you're feeling like you're not sure what that looks like, or that you haven't been in a place to seek him, if you feel like you're identifying that you are within that cycle, there is an outline in scripture as to how we can, we can study the lives of those who did pursue to know him after they were radically introduced to him. There is testimony after testimony after testimony throughout scripture of those who all of a sudden were reintroduced to God and then spent the rest of their lives discovering him, hungering for him, wanting to know him, wanting to understand who he was, right? Some of them even died with still declarations of, I just need more because there's always, there's always more. And what's incredible is that when Jesus came, what's amazing about, about as well as salvation, but is that it, when he came and when he rose again, it meant that we all have full access. So no longer do we have to necessarily, now I'm not saying, I'm just, I don't know how to say that without sounding offensive, but, um, that we all have full access, right? We all have full access. It, there is not a human being or a person that has more access than any of his other children do to him. He wants to be known by all of his children. He wants to be pursued and sought after by all of his children. And that's something else that will plague the body of Christ and keep us in a cycle of, of needing even leaders. There is a place for leadership. I'm not, I'm not going crazy. I'm not, that's not at all what I'm saying. But, but that it is each one of his children's, it is our individual responsibility to seek him, to seek him and pursue him. Part of over the last five years, one of the things that, that, um, that the body of Christ has been invent, invited to walk out and at kingdom heirs that we have endured a process of is that very thing, right? Of, of recognizing that we all have access to him and it is our individual responsibilities to seek after him and to know him and to not just come 
on a Sunday or a Friday night needing to hear about him because all week you separated yourself from him and you need to hear from him through Apostle Tanya, right? Does she have something to say? Yes. Does it need to be heard? Yes. Do we need to come together to hear it? Yes. And agree and grow? Yes. Are there those who are fathers and mothers? Yes. Who have endured in the faith longer and have some things to teach others? Yes. Yes. But again, we all have access. We all have access. And that is another thing that will keep the body in a cycle of, well, I, no, I don't, I, I, I don't really ask him questions. Or they'll come to a leader, right? And say, what do you think I should do about this situation? Again, counsel is biblical. I'm, I'm, I am not, I, I'm not saying that it's not. But did you ask him? Do you talk with him? Do you know what he has to say about that? Right? that we have a responsibility in our daily lives to pursue him, to seek him, and it is his desire. He's not the kind of dad that just, man, I just need some space. Like I just, you're, you're, you're kind of annoying, but that's real. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, and it's real because we might have fathers in our lives that feel that way about us. Right? So sometimes it can be hard to make that distinction when we're in the process of getting to know him, which is why he wants you to know him because he's not like your dad. <laughs> he might be, which would be amazing. <laughs> he might be, he might be, but he might not. He might not. And so, but it's, it's not until you endeavor you endeavor to seek him and understand him that you will know that he's not like your dad. That he's actually the original, the, the original design of fatherhood. And that looks completely different than what it looks like in the world. And so if you're deterred from him because of your earthly father, you don't know what a father is yet. You don't know. You don't know. Until you, until you follow him and he's inviting you every moment of every single day. That's, that's how, that's how little he's annoyed with you. That he, that he literally gives you access. Can you imagine? Okay, moms and dads. <laughs> we can make this practical. We're in the middle of a lockdown. We're, homeschool we're homeschooling our children. They follow us around all day long. <laughs> right? Clara's like in the bathroom with me. I can't, there's, but she likes to cling. I'll just say. <laughs> she, she, wants, she wants to follow me around all day. And so... Anyways, my, po my point is, is that can you imagine a father who literally says, not only do I want you to follow me around all day, but I want you to invite me into every moment of your day because I have some things about who I am that need to be revealed to you. 
and they can be revealed to you while you're grocery shopping, and they can be revealed to you while you're driving your car, and they can be revealed to you while you're having breakfast. That, that's, that's how intimate he created us to be with him. There's nothing in the word that can tell you any different. Isn't, I need my Bible. I need my Bible just so that I... I know, I know. I'm like, I'm not saying that. I'm very aware of how things might be perceived tonight, if you can't tell. Oh, sure. That, that one looks a little intense. <laughs> Mine's like purple and has like a heart on it. <laughs> this one has flames. <laughs> and for some reason feels way heavier. I don't know. I'm not sure why. Yeah. But thank you, because now I can do this instead of waving my little notes around, which also have flowers on them. Um, of course, I heard someone say it. <laughs> Linda. Um, okay. So, where was I? All right. So, the how, I keep, I'm kind of, I don't mean to be all over the place. But the how and the why is, is it necessary? So there is a layout in scripture that shows you when you study the lives of those who wanted, whose desire was to pursue him after they encountered him, which is a whole other thing. When we get into experiencing him versus knowing about him, right? There's a difference in that too. We can know we can know his doctrine. We can know his, we, we can know his law and we need to. We need to because those are also aspects of who he is. Right? The the word the word the word is one of the ways that we get to know him. Right? However, however, there's more. And you can live by the word. Study, um, I think it's John 17. You can live by the word and, not, and he will say that he doesn't know you. Right? He will say that I don't know you. What does that mean? For someone, for someone to live their life according to the law and know truth and still have the Father say, I never, I never, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, but I never knew you. That scares me. That scares me, not in a bad way, but in a way that makes me want to know. Because I do not. I want my life to be the fullness of his intention. I, I, I owe him that. I, I owe him that. We're going to talk about, we talk about salvation and a response. Talk about having a full response to the gift of life. He gave you everything, everything to know you, to remove those things that keep you from him. So when we stop here, it denies his heart the 
greatest desire of his, the, his greatest desire. And that is, as I've been pressing into this word over the last handful of months, that is one of the things that I think has broken my heart more than, any, than anything that's ever broken it before. And for me, that's saying a lot because you guys know that the things that have broken my heart have been, my, my heart's cry has been, God, how do we eradicate suffering? How, what, what do we do about homelessness? What do we do about poverty? I know you've got the answer, what is it? And God says, I designed a family. Well, I didn't, I didn't know that. But that was the original intent. He created us to be a part of his family. Well, how do, you, how do you function as a family? How does that look? Okay, it's easy to remember. It's connection. It's clinging. And it's consistency. There could be more. I'm sure there are. But what he, what he led me to for this moment and for us to, to empower us to walk this out in seeking him and what it will look like on earth to do the same with one another, right? Because we're all a part of that family. That's, that's, and I'm not talking about who's here in this building. There, yes, but there is, his children are his family. We have more brothers and sisters. So again, it's communication, clinging, and consistency. So communicating with him. This is, it's gonna sound, it's gonna sound pretty basic, but sometimes we have to go back to the fundamentals, especially when we're talking about being restored to his original intent. If we're going all the way back, hi, Shirley, if we're going, if we're going all the way back to his original intent for us, for our existence, right? If we're gonna talk about he created a family, he, a family structure, he, his desire is to be known. And in response, there, knowing, we'll get into that later. <laughs> knowing is transactional. But um, that, that there, is, there is a format, there is a way to do that. And so with communication, it's obviously the word, right? How does he communicate with us? How do we get to know him through communication and connection? The word, prayer, these are, ba these are basic fundamentals to how we're called to live our lives in an effort to know him more. But they're things that just, I don't know, it's like they seem to become lost, it's like they just get lost, either in the, the busyness of life or uh, complacency in life. Um, you know, whatever, whatever that is, we're going to have to take that to him and ask him what that is that keeps us from communicating with him. Because it is through communication and connection, staying connected with him, that we develop an understanding of who he is. Right? So prayer, the word. Now, there's another aspect of connecting with him and communicating with him. And this one 
for some reason, seems to be controversial. Um, and that's by encountering him. And I'm not, I'm not really sure why that's controversial. Um, but it seems to be. You know, when, um, when there's footage of someone having an encounter with the Lord, however their body reacts to that encounter with the Spirit of the Lord is like watched and, oh, no, I don't think that should happen when he meets you, right? Or, or um, oh, I don't, th- no, that's the devil. Like that's, that wouldn't, I don't know how my body's going to react when it encounters the king of glory? Like, I don't know how my body's going to react because my body is an earthly vessel that when it encounters his glory, it's going to be sh- like, I, I don't, every cell in my body is going to explode. So I don't know how my body's going to react. You don't know, right? So somehow encountering him has become, has become, you know, kind of a touchy thing. But he encounters us. He encounters us. He encounters us in crazy ways. If the word is still true and alive, holy cow, talk about an encounter. I want to meet him in a bush. I want to, like, you know, I want to encounter him in those ways, intimately and personally, in ways that are just for me, where I literally just spent time with him, and people are like, oh my gosh, can you cover your face? (laughs) right? Like I, I want to have that kind of interaction with him where people are like, whoa, you have not been on earth. I don't know where you were. I don't know who you were sitting with. I don't know who you were meeting with. And I can be like, oh, that's the king of glory. And I'm going to tell you something. When you, when you endeavor to encounter him and connect with him, you're, you're going to feel something's going to shift. Something's going to shift right? So those, those are three ways that we communicate and connect. And all of these are transferable to our earthly relationships. Okay. We're going to get, we're going to get there. We're, we're going to get to, um, how, how does this affect multiplication and what does it look like to walk this out on earth with those that he's given us uh, personal access to? We're going to get to that. But I just want you to know that when you're taking these notes to to recognize the the similarities, if you talk to couples who've experienced divorce or or families who are disconnected, these these are things that will have been lost. Right? If you go to an earthly marital counselor, they will tell you, are you communicating? That's just earthly wisdom. But so many of us don't, right? When I came into the kingdom mayor's family, I'm still learning how to communicate with anyone other than him. I'm like, I don't know how to talk to, I don't know how to, I don't know. Am I supposed to say this? Do I share this? Do I, I, is that okay to just be, I don't know. How often should I be talking to people? (laughs) Is there a, is there like a a number of days? How many minutes a day? I mean, that's, does anyone else feel like that? There are some who are a little bit more gifted in earthly relationships. And, um, and I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning. But, but even on earth, you will hear professionals say, communication is key. Over-communicate. Over-communicate. If it feels like too much, 
it's right on. And the body of Christ is like, oh, well, I talked to him on Sunday. Right, when we have the world, and I didn't mean to make that sound, but when we have the, when we have the world telling us, oh, are you communicating? That's critical, that's critical for the health of your relationship. And we're not opening the word and we're not in prayer over anything in our lives, let alone prayer regarding the desires of his heart. That's a whole other thing, right? If we do pray, if we do, and this, this is not a condemning word, this is, this, is, this is hope in what is to come and in the fullness of his intention. So, so when I say that, just let's, let's remember, (laughs) am I not making that clear? Um, Okay, part of moving from rescue to knowing, right? That natural progression, that's a sign of maturity in the gospel, is also coming out of a need-based, selfish, out of immaturity, selfish lifestyle that wants access to him only when we're in need. And that translates on earth. And it's not a very powerful witness or testimony to his character because that's not who he is. So if you do read the word, and if you do pray, and if you do cry out to him, is it only in your moments of need? Or are you endeavoring to know the desires of his? Because once you do, once you begin to mature, you will become so much like him out of awareness of the desires and needs of his heart and I know God doesn't, God doesn't need, but he does need his children to move. If the desire of his heart is going to be realized for every knee to bow and every tongue to confess, he needs us to be aware of the desires of his heart. not just our monthly, this is what I need this month. This is where I need you to step into my life right now. Man, and you know, he's a God who sets boundaries, but he is also so gracious. He's gracious in his boundaries. But if the body, if the body of Christ who is supposed to represent his nature and his character and know him intimately, If the body only communicates and connects with him when they're in need and distress, what is translating to our world? We just, we perpetuate that cycle of need over and over within our own church communities. We stay there. We stay there. That's how we pick our, that's how a lot of us pick our churches. It, 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 that's how a lot of us pick our churches. What can you provide me? 
Are you going to meet my needs? I like, I like my worship a certain way. Right? I, li- I, I like my worship a certain way. Or I don't like the way they preach. I don't, I, don't, I don't like her speaking style or I don't like, you know, whatever, whatever. Did God call you there or not? Right? Did he plant you there to mature or not? It's like, um, I don't remember how many years ago it was that the Lord dropped that word about consumerism. That's, a, that's essentially what it is. A consumer-driven gospel. Right? Where you can, let me, let me remind us. Where it's like, it's like the grocery store. Okay, well, Sam's Club has this stuff and Walmart has this stuff and Fry's has this stuff. And I need this, so I'm gonna go over there. This store doesn't have what I need right now, so I'm gonna go to this store. That's a luxury. That's incredible. That's not church. Or, right, or the word. Okay, so evaluate communication, connection. What is your communi- What does your communication look like with him? What is your connection with him based on? What is it rooted in? What fuels your connection with him? What drives your connection with him? Is it, de- is it hunger? Is it desire for more? Or is it literally fueled by an ever-changing, unending need because that will be forever. It will be forever. So if you want to take, if you want to take not only his invitation seriously, but his death seriously, then it's time to go back to some of the basics. Okay. Number two. Clinging. Cling. <laughs> okay. So clinging, it's kind of a, it's a term that we've been, that we've been, um, we've been putting out there within the, the kingdom heirs house recently to cling to one another, to cling to something. And essentially what clinging means is that you're going to hold on so tight to something that you are not going to allow any separation at all, any separation or any scattering. Look up the def- look up separation and scattering. Okay. So cl- to cling to him, to hold on so tight that there's literally no separation or scattering. And again, it translates into our earthly relationships. What happens when you let go? I, I know that. I, I, I know that with my children, when, when they hold tight, not just to my physical presence, but when they cling to the things that I've said, it establishes a foundation of truth in their lives, right? That when things like the coronavirus happen, they're holding on so tight to this that they can't grab a hold of anything else. That's the point 
of clinging. If my arms are wrapped here and I refuse to let go, it doesn't matter if I'm like, if I'm like shaking, if my arms are exhausted, I'll tell you my arms have been exhausted. They have been exhausted before and I have felt like, God, I gotta let my arms down. I don't, I just, I just, I just, I don't know that I can, I don't know that I can hold on anymore. I'm tired. But if I can hold, if I can hold on tight enough, no matter what's going, what's being done to my body, it's shaking, there's, there's whatever, that I won't slip and grab onto something else. What has he asked you to grab a hold of? What has he asked you? Because again, that will translate into your earthly relationships. For me, in my life, he has asked me to cling to my spiritual parents. I'm learning what that looks like to walk that out on earth. But that's what he's asked of me. On earth. Okay. So clinging, no separation, no scattering. Essentially, if I'm holding on here, I won't grab on to anything else, right? Right now, with everything that's going on, there is so much that you could grab a hold of. So much. And it is, it is like free. <laughs> it, is, it is free and it is in abundance. Like, I, I mean, think about in your daily life, all of the things that you could grab a hold of if you're not clinging. Every single post on Facebook, every single bit of news coverage, right? Every news statistic, every doctor who has something to say, right? It's like you could be tossed to and fro, grab a hold of that word so tight, grab a hold of this word so tight, grab a hold of this one so tight. And he's like, I told you not to let go. I, I told you, I told, I told you to just hold on tight. It's gonna get a little shaky. It's gonna, it's, it's gonna get a little shaky and your arms might get a little tired, but don't let go because if you do, if you do, there's a lot that's available. Then there's consistency. Consistency really speaks to the process, the process that he asks us to walk out, to endeavor to know him and to seek him. There has to be consistency. When there's a lack of consistency, and that's gonna look how it looks, I mean, I don't, I don't have a formula for what consistency means. But when there is inconsistency, when there is inconsistency, not only is there potential it, to, to be tossed to and fro, but it's like whatever you have access to the most meaning consistent, whatever you engage in more consistently will begin to shape what you know. 
that's the importance of consistency. So if, again, if I only spend time with him in response or a reactionary knee-jerk, uh, knee-jerk response to um, my need or my crisis, then I am consistent in being needy. And what that consistency produces is I know what I know of him is that he rescues. That's what's consistent in my relationship with him. Right? So what, however, in whatever way you are consistent, that is what will produce what you know. So if I spend... If I, if I spend time connecting with him, you know, I don't know, once every couple months or what, whatever that looks like. I mean, and that's real. Whatever that looks like. If I haven't prayed, if I haven't, if I haven't spent time in the word, if I haven't invited him to encounter me in my day to just, can you just tell me your thoughts while I'm, while I'm on my way to the grocery store? Can you just, what are your thoughts about today? What are you, what are, what, what, what is this day going to look like? Like, what do you want this day to look like? If I, if I'm not doing, if I do that maybe once a month or, or whatever, that's, that's, it's good. It's good. But again, your scope, the scope of what you know is going to be within that monthly context. It's like the, the framework for which he has, he has desired for you to know is limited, limited or unlimited based on your consistency. Right? And what's amazing about the Lord is that a natural hunger will develop the more consistent you are. A natural hunger will develop the more consistent you are because he designed you that way. He designed you to be constantly engaged with him. He designed you to never ever in any moment be separated from him. In any moment of any day to be separated from him. So that hunger, you'll, we'll ha- we have, we hear that a lot in the body of Christ. Well, I'm just not, I'm just not passionate about that. Or I'm just not, I'm just not, hu- I don't really have a hunger for that. Right? It's like a, like a pick and choose, a grab bag of the things that we're gonna, we're gonna have a, a, a case for or a cause for, right? Instead of knowing the fullness of his heart and a hunger will develop for all the things that he desires, which is all of this. It's all of it. It's not just here or there. And I know there's individual giftings. I know there's, there's, there's callings and there's, he's going to ask, he's going to ask um, you to position yourself differently than he asks me to in a certain regard. He's going to put you in this job and he's going to put me in this way. But really, are our callings really different? I mean, do you know what I mean? If the, if the ultimate desire of his heart is consistent, then why wouldn't our response be? I just, I just think we don't know him enough. We don't know him well enough to understand fully 
what his desires are. Because the, 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 the knowing is what produces that hunger and that transformation within you that will motivate you enough to move on behalf of him, to move on behalf of someone outside of ourselves. But if there's no connection, if there's no clinging, if there's no consistency, we will stay there forever. Because that, that hunger to continue to seek him, it's like the, the chicken and the egg, right? Like which one comes first? Well, ultimately what came first was his desire to be known by us because he created us that way. And the word says that we love him because he first loved us, right? But, but we're content with just staying here for whatever reason, you know, it could just be because we don't know more. We don't know that there's more. We haven't fully understood that there's more. Or maybe we don't desire to know that we don't desire for more because I'm okay. I'm okay just having a check-in every, you know, when I'm struggling to pay a bill or um, when something happens with one of my family members, you know, and I just really need that extra like encouragement and, and, we're, and we're okay with that. But if you desire to see your world transformed, which is his desire, it's his directive, it's his will, it is his will. Then there is a process. If that is your desire to see the world transformed, there is a process and it includes communication, clinging, and consistency. Because it's hard for hunger to develop outside of those things. It's, it's hard for knowing to come if you're, not, if you're not holding on tight. It's hard for knowing to come if you never talk to him. Like, in, in, again, in my marriage, I can't just come home every night and ignore my husband and not know what's going on in his life or what happened in his day. Or, and, and some of us might think, well, I have needs too right? Like that, that's real in our homes. I, I have needs too. What's amazing about pursuing someone to know is that there is a natural reciprocation that comes from engaging with someone and ex have sharing and encountering them that will come back and meet your need. But it's so different than this, like, um, I need this right now. You know, which is what we're so used to operating in because we haven't just, oh, okay, like, thank you for saving me. Here I come. Right? We're just like, thank you for saving me. I'll see you when I need it again. I'll, exactly. I'll take it from here. You, pull, you pulled me up. You, 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 right? You, you pulled me up, you extended your arm, and now I'm standing on solid ground, and my world isn't shaking and falling apart, and my marriage is better, and, and what, whatever, right? We're not dealing with sickness in our home anymore. You, heal, you healed our home of sickness. Yeah. I'll, 
yeah, I'll, I'll see you next year. Or I'll see you in a month. Right? When he's like, oh. But I, but I, but I want you. And that's, that's the heartache. That's the heartache for a father that, that he's like, oh man, yes, my heart breaks for you so much that I couldn't let you stay down there. I, I, couldn't, see, I couldn't see you in that condition. I couldn't, I couldn't allow you to be in that state because I, because I want you. Because I don't want you to feel like you have to hide from me. Because I don't want you to be separated from me. Because I need all of you. Because I want all of you. And we're like, but I don't. I I, I don't. I want the peace that will benefit me right now. I want the fraction of you that will meet what I need right now. And he says, okay, I'll wait. That's the heart of a father, of a real father. Okay, I'll wait. And if it takes until you're back in that hole again, I'll extend my arm again. But the body has to break out of that response. We have to break out of that cycle. Or not only will the world never really, really truly know him, but it won't be transformed by him, that's for sure. Can you imagine the power of a people who walk as him? Who literally know him so much that they become him? Have you heard, have you ever heard um, older couples talk about that? Like, yeah, we started looking like each other, you know, a couple years back. Or, um, or, <laughs> or oh, I've noticed that um, with John's way funnier than me. Um, my husband is way funnier than me. And uh, the other day, I made a John joke. And, and I told the girls, I was like, oh, was that really funny? I was so excited. I sounded like, dad, I'm so, like, he's so funny. Because I've, I've start, I spend so much time with him, and I've gotten to know parts of him in, in, in my experiences and engaging with him that I'm taking on parts of who he is right? I'm becoming funny. <laughs> Not as funny, but I'm a little bit, um, I know. Okay. This, yeah. <laughs> so, so can you imagine, can you imagine a, the bride, a, a body that, that spends so much time with him in his presence, learning the desires of his heart that they literally become him. Like, I spend so much time with my father that I look like him. That when I walk into a store, people are like, whoo, she doesn't, she does not look like she's from earth. I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> Do you know who my dad is? Do you know who I've just spent time with? That's why I look like this. That's why I glow, you know? Um, but a, but a body of people that not only become, become like him because they're so, they, they hold on to him so tightly, but they talk like him. They walk like him. They think like him. Oh, that, that's the, de- 
to, to be able to literally discern every and see every situation, every opportunity, every circumstance, everything to, when it enters my brain, it's his. Can you imagine how we would respond? And how quickly things would be transformed? If in my day to day, and I'm just talking about living life. I'm not even talking about like, once we know him, we're gonna go on a radical, like we're all gonna get on the same bus and we're gonna travel to wherever and that whole, you know, I'm talking about just when you spend your time with him, getting to know him in your daily life. If you begin to think like him, to walk like him, to look like him, what will be transformed? When I'm just with my girls doing our meal planning? Right? When I see someone who, who, who I know immediately by their presence because I, because I am him, because I become like him, I can immediately tell what's not. That's what comes. That's what comes. And that's what leads to rapid multiplication is I now have the ability, because I know him intimately, I can discern really quickly what's not him. That can be excruciating. To walk around a broken world seeing false fathers and false representations of who he is and his character everywhere you go. But if we don't see and we don't know, then we can't transform, right? We can't change, can't change what we don't know. So we have to start, we have to start by seeking him. And all of this, all of this will come. And again, going back to our, you know, that, that question that I know will come up in people's hearts about, but what about, what about my need? Or I don't have, I don't have time for that. I don't, I don't know, I don't know how to include him, invite him into my day. I don't know, I don't have time to get in the word. Well, what do you have time for? Because if we're gonna go back to the original intent, his intention was for this all day, every day, no separation, no scattering. No separation, no scattering, all day, every day, every moment of your life until you die. That's not a sad, morbid word. I've never heard anything more hopeful in my life. That his desire is literally for us to be like this every moment of every day until I get to be with him every moment of every day, again, eternally for the rest of my life. It's, it's now. You're invited, you're invited to encounter him, to experience him, to know him intimately now. That's why he came. He's bringing us back to the Father's original intent from the beginning. Not only does he, does he not want our world to be broken and devastated and, you know, does he want there to be freedom and restoration and healing, but he wants us to be reconciled to him. 
The Father wants his children's hearts to be reconciled with his. Every moment of every day, forever. And if the body of Christ can't can't function that way, then we're never going to see his will on earth accomplished. That desire of his heart will fall by the wayside. give us a little bit of information on what it's going to look like moving forward. And then um, I'm going to ask um, Apostle Tanya and Apostle Justin, my spiritual parents, to come up and just put kind of a, um, just a cap on anything that I said, and then we will move into the rest of our evening. Um, So like it was announced uh, before, what will happen next week is we will be um, going out and um, and anointing and declaring over three of the entrances to our city. Flagstaff is what has been afforded us. And I know that the Lord's intentions are for the body to be able to prepare the ground. I know the ground has been prepared, but I just... But for the word that is coming, for the body of Christ, for the bride, in all of the responses to invitations that are being sent out as a result of the condition of our world, we have to be prepared to walk out this word. We have to be prepared to walk out this word. Okay, because there's going to be an opportunity for multiplication all around us all around us for hearts to turn and to not be left with just salvation. So we're going to prepare for that by declaring and by anointing those entrances and prepare, essentially prepare our our city for what's coming. Then we will have our family meeting. And so we are there, we're, we're going to just keep going. We're going to keep going with this. Um, and um, we'll, we'll kind of talk about what that's going to look like more as it gets closer. Um, but we're going to talk specifically about um, what we value. Meaning, do we only value when we're rescued? Or do we value essentially him? Do we value the rescuer or the rescue? We're going to get into that and what that looks like um, on earth and with some practical implications, as well as um, getting more into um, multiplication and our and what it will look like when a body of Christ, when a when the body of believers breaks out of the cycle 
of being need-based or needing to be saved over and over again and starts to walk after him, to know him, starts to pursue him, starts to seek him. What will happen to our community and to the nation and to the world? How will we see transformation? So we're gonna, we're gonna dive into those things um, in the weeks to come. That was good. She asked us to come and cap anything that she said. I'm like, I don't want to cap any of that. I mean, like, put a seal. <laughs> I thought you were going to say a, a, a bow. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to provide a bow. Even in her, like, offensive talk. Like, okay, in this, when we're selfish. And I'm like, that's why we have to bring the Megans up here. Because if you just got me all the time, I'd be like, stop being selfish. <laughs> she just says it <laughs> but ultimately that was the word was it not here I want to give kind of an example I have a son who I am when you are operating in rescue there's an aspect where my heart longs for him to want to be rescued mm -hmm. right because before the rescue there's just nothing it's mm -hmm. content to starve mm -hmm. I could care less if I ever live and you're just yearning for there to be some type of crisis that he would wake up to want to eat. Would he die enough to the point where he would be like, I'm ready to eat now, right? That's real. Once he chooses to eat, there's an aspect where he moves from glory to glory, where then his heart begins to expand and wants more because in that relationship, I'm only granted enough access to just the feeding. But I have more than milk. Does the word not say that there are some foundational things that are mere milk and that's raising people from the dead? So there's an aspect where I am only in the rescue phase on earth. I'm just giving an earthly example because it's easy to say yes, but the how is a little bit different when we begin to walk it out on earth because what happens is, is when somebody needs to be rescued, that is a beautiful thing, but I am afforded the context to the rescue and that's the only thing you get from me. What I mean by that is when she said that there's an example on earth where we will just be, we will perpetuate the, uh, the cycle where then leaders need to constantly rescue and leaders in the body love that. And then there's an aspect where after the rescue, our hearts long, could you get to know another aspect of me outside of your crisis? For example, your marriage is in shambles. I have a lot of godly kingdom wisdom guidance, but if you come to my dinner table on behalf of your marriage, the aspect that you get from me is in context to only your marriage, right? That's the only thing I'm afforded, which means I'm capped in what I can give. So you're receiving the fullness on the wisdom on marriage. This is just an example. But there is, there is the fullness of who he is, is so much more than what is afforded. So there's an aspect with my son where it was like, yes, you wanted him to eat. After he begins to eat and he starts to gain some strength, there's an aspect where my heart begins to expand. I want to be able to him to know more of who I am because what it does is it opens up for me to know more of who he is. Now, granted, I'm his mother. I already know it, 
but I want him to share it with me because I want him to be awakened to what he doesn't know. So there's an aspect where he, is, he, he desires to have you, he already knows that about you, but he wants you to know that right. about you from his perspective, not the enemy's perspective. Right. Because when she's talking about the three C's, how many of you know, she, she touched on it a little bit, that the three C's can be used for the enemy. If you're going to be communicating, you're going to be communicating with something. Voices in our head, all the way down to demons, to the demonic, to earthly, to man's opinion, to the news, to whatever. There's communication going on regardless. So there's an aspect where the three C's, that that's what she, it's the same thing with clinging. She talked about it with clinging. You can cling, but if you're not clinging so hard because you're clinging to something else. And the same thing with being consistent. Like she said, you can be consistent in being inconsistent. So it's even in the protocol of the three C's doesn't necessarily get you there because what's happening with this word is, and the reason why I'm just being bold about it is because ultimately it's taking us out of selfishness. Because there was an aspect with my son where it would just be selfish, but then there's an aspect where you begin to walk together and there's things that begin to awaken in him that also then awaken in me. Not that the father needs to be awakened, but he needs to be made manifest on earth. He wants to be awakened so that it can be made manifest. Is that, is that making sense? So there's aspects where, like she's saying in the midst of this lockdown, I have all the way from a son who didn't ever want to eat, will not leave my side. I mean, and that's not because there's a desire for me to teach him school. It started there, a little bit need-based. But now all of a sudden we're watching a show and then he's just sitting on the cushion next to me. Or his face will change because he's beginning to awaken to things he's never known about himself. And I did not know them in that way. And it's awakening where it came from. I don't know if that's making sense. There are things that he's being awakened to that I'm like, oh, where'd you get that from? <laughs> and it's a beautiful thing because what happens in that relationship with him is it begins to be made manifest on earth where both are going back to its original intent. Okay? So with those three C's, I just want us to be aware that there's an aspect of communication that's going to be happening regardless. Clinging is going to be happening regardless. Consistency is going to be happening regardless. So what's happening with this word, what is happening with this word is that we are declaring as an ecclesia that has the ability to shift a word, right? We worshiped and we said we want a better word. Did a better word come? Yes. So as a body, we are declaring that the process that we've been through, that now is the time that we are moving from a place of selfishness, breaking out of that cycle, and we're going to begin to pursue. If I can break it down, hopefully easily, what we know of as today, and I'm going to just say the American church. I know that there's probably more, but I know we were having conversations uh, in Iran, right? Where the church is so alive and they come to America and say, bring me back to Iran. Because here we are entitled, 
we are not willing to die and we really are complacent and there's no fire. But if you're willing to go to prison for the rest of your life, all of a sudden there's something to die for and they're, they're, they're able to understand that. What I mean by that is so the American church has positioned themselves to where we know salvation and who Jesus is solely based on what he has to offer us, right? Because when you say, follow me, that's a scripture. And it's, I mean, I don't even know for me, it even clicked. That makes sense. Follow me. But when he says, follow me, he, he physically left a place. He healed and then said, goodbye. If you want me, come get me. We don't understand that. We would be like, that is not a good God. So we just stay in our position. If you're just, yeah, then if you're just going to walk away, well, then I guess I'll just stand here until the crisis comes. And you're like, okay, I was just kidding. And he is good because his desire is to reveal himself, but he's tired of being capped to have to reveal himself in the context of whatever you just said, I need you to come over here. So there's an aspect where he begins to say, follow me. And I don't know if we understand that in the American church. Right? I mean, even just the way things are set up when it comes time to buildings. Well, if they want to find him, come here. Right? There's an aspect of just, I don't know if I'm, I told Megan, I said, you are not going to be teaching a word tonight because I need this word to be released for it to be caught. Because even though there's that simplistic foundational word, it is shifting the entire nature of the bride of Christ to not constantly be in a position where it's you come to me. You, 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 come, you come to me. And like she said, where there's this um, checklist of what we desire. Versus... When that invitation has happened, then there's a shifting that begins to happen where we begin to rise up and move and begin to follow in his ways. So, it's a bold word. It's a simplistic word. It's a word, it's easy to amen. It's a word that makes sense. But then to walk it out, all of our mindsets begin to change. Because up until this point, it feels like what we've known is the cross and then, I mean, even, and I just mean mindset, even in our revival. And he's over here like, I revived you over 2,000 years ago. I revived you with Noah's art. I revived you with the rainbow. I revived you with, I revived you, I have over and over and over again until the final my son, right? So it's even in our language or how we pray. And the reason why I bring that up is because we're talking about communication. Even in our prayers, our prayers can still be, and she, you know, she talked about that, our communication can still be need-based. Well, I'm going to communicate when I, when I. I got saved. Thank you, Jesus. You saved me from my sins. I, my but that's, but thank, you know what I, I mean? That is, an, that, I mean, we are in the weekend where the same message is being 
released year after 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 year. And I don't mean that that message doesn't need to be released for those who don't hear it. We don't need to hear it anymore. <laughs> he died for my sins. How about he died so you would get up and go? Get up and follow. He died so that he could be made manifest on the earth through you, which is going to require the movement and the following, which is not going to be produced by staying in a place where my clinging communication and consistency is based on me, me, me. And it, and what she said though, he's so good that there is a transaction that happens because you will be completely fulfilled. This is not a condemning word of, oh, I guess I just gotta, I guess I just never will. You will never need it. What, what you're walking in is a clinging day by day. It, 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 you're, you get a partner. You, the intimacy, it's a fulfillment. It, it's a, it's a, it's, right? I mean, meaning it's an amazing thing because you will, all of your needs will be met. Because what I'm getting at is when you stay need-based, you're only afforded that aspect of his heart. When you begin to become not need-based, then you begin to just start to get to know him outside of conflict. Can we say it that way? Marriage counseling, that's something we do all the time. Have you had a conversation outside of conflict? Right? A lot of people will come to us and be like, this is our fight. Have you thought to have a night, a week, maybe it's Sunday night before you move into the week, where outside of conflict, you just talk about where you're at? Could we do that with him where we start to communicate outside of conflict where you're actually pursuing him, meaning to follow him is asking him those type of questions, beginning to know who he is in the context of who are you? It's like the, I don't even, I don't know if I'm making sense. It's like the whole thing begins to shift instead of God, I want you to find out who I am. Now I'm going to find out who you are, and in that, I will actually become the reflection and look like you without me realizing that that even happened because my heart was to pursue how you walk, how you talk, how you think. Right? So it's like, I, I, I guess I just want to boldly say, like, there's a stamp that's happening this month during this Passover that there was a purpose that they were passed over. That it wasn't so that the next year they could, I mean, they yet we celebrate the remembrance of it, but they were not in the same homes, in the same place, in the same place of slavery, having to redo the story over again. That is not the Bible. They do it out of remembrance because they have joy that he did it, but they did it for a reason so that they could go and multiply and possess the land. Right? It wasn't so that we could just stay in our home, stay in slavery, and be like, well, I guess he'll pass over us again. He passed over them once. The celebration of Passover is to remember that he did it once. Okay? Now, here's part of the gospel. Yes, we got off kilter again. So when he said, okay, I'm going to find, I'm, I don't know, I just feel like God would be like, the flood, they're going to get it. 
Tower of Babylon, they'll get it. The flood, you know, you just go down the line. All right, I, with the, they asked for the king, you know, the judges. All right, you're, you know. So he just keeps going and going and going and being like, now he's just, yes, he's so gracious. Okay, they got in a crisis again. I'll try again. Okay, that's it. My son's coming. I'm done. I've already wiped out the earth once with the water. I thought we got it then. Now we're going to move it. You know, I thought Passover. I thought that if I saved all their firstborns in the blood and then they got out of slavery like they get it. And then, and then we waver. Right? But that's Old Testament. That lifestyle of in, out, manna, forgot. This is so awesome. I'd rather go back. That was all pre-Jesus. So he finally said, enough is enough, the final lamb. Are you guys catching this? For such a time as this, I was born on this side of Jesus. Therefore, I should not be reenacting the Old Testament where it save me, waver. Save me, waver. Save me, waver. So now when we celebrate, it's just to remember what he's done, but we should not be in the same place when he came into our lives 12 years ago. We should not be in the same place where the way that I know him is out of a place of save me from destruction. Will he save you from destruction? Absolutely. But he saved you from destruction for what? He saved you from destruction for something. The destruction, like she said, was not addiction. The destruction in your life was not disease. The destruction in your life was not that. That was a result of the disconnect. So what he came to save you out of was to put you into a place of connection so you'll never live with disease again. Not so you can be like, that felt good. Now I'm going to disconnect and I'm going to start the process over again. It is so that you can be healed once and for all forever. Why? Because you're connected. Not because he just performs miracles and I had a great prayer. It was because I am clinging so hard to the one. I'm com communicating so much with the one. I am consistent with the one that, that basically he not helps what he did, but I continue the process of what he saved me the from the destruction. Right? Because before it was destruction, salvation, destruction, salvation, destruction, salvation. Now in him, like Tyler said, the veil was torn. So we have access to our inheritance so that through connection, there's never destruction anymore. And so when there's never destruction anymore, you begin to walk on water and you're not subject to any destruction. So now you become dispensers of who he is so that when others are in destruction, you're not the one with them. You're not the one, all, the bride should not be in the same place as the world. How many times have you heard it? The, the church of the Christians are the worst. There's people in the world with more peace and more security because of whatever they're clinging on to is a better word than the one that saved me from destruction. Why? Because I might still be in destruction because I'm not clinging. I'm not clinging to his word. And like she said, it all also flows, uh, flows laterally. And so we have those examples like marriage and sons and daughters to be able to operate the way that he's asked us to operate. Amen? So... I just, I just, I guess I just wanted to release that boldly that we're just going to declare like we did over worship that a better word is coming, that we are also going to operate. Now, this is not a new word. 
right? We've kind of been going through a process for the last seven to 10 years. I believe a lot of the body of Christ has been, and that there is going to be a dramatic shift that comes in this new era. And the new era that we are walking in is this shift because we are moving from the pastoral-based rescue hospital mentality, and we're going to begin to walk in that awakening or revolution, as, as we've called it, bringing back what he brought over 2,000 years ago. Because that was his heart. That's why he brought the final lamb. So during Passover, which we've celebrated on Wednesday and going through this whole Holy Week all the way up to Resurrection Sunday, remember that this is just to remember what he's done. Not because you are in that place. That's what I mean by the word year after year after year, the salvation message. It is to remember that you were saved from something, for something. And what was it? You were saved for the restoration of the original intent, which is connection, clinging, communication, fully naked, in the cool of the day, no compartmentalization. We have, we're past Friday night communication, right? But in our daily lives, what does that look like to cling? What does that look like moment by moment? What does it look like to operate in that new era where the entire bride is beginning to manifest the sons of God, where all of creation is yearning for that sound? Tyler talked about touching a pool table. There is a sound, and all of creation is yearning for that sound. We're not talking about a program. We're not talking about how to walk in Sam's Club and what you're going to do. That may happen. What she's talking about is that the glory of God begins to just be made manifest. People have asked, what do you think this new era is going to look like? I don't know because it's not going to be program-based. But I do know that it's root-level issues. It's not going to be a program. It's going to be eradicating homelessness through identity. We've talked about this before. The body is in an identity crisis, and we're coming out of that. Because sons and daughters are beginning to know what their identity is, and it just begins to permeate the airwaves. How? I don't know. Because it doesn't look like children's church anymore. I can't put a blog to it. I can't type out a five-point I can't say the new era is going to look like this. The new era is going to look like us glowing. Right? It's going to be the manifestations of the sons of God beginning to rule and reign on this earth right now, knowing their identity, transforming our culture because of what's being permeated. Not because of the sign out there or program, but the sound that comes out of me. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sound, and it's not going to be a rescue sound. It's going to be a, uh, a, a transformational sound that is absolutely attractive. Amen?